0: at 8 a.m., we have got something the elders have, have dubbed a brainstorming breakfast. I think it's going to be the big breakfast brainstorming bonanza, and it's going to be great. What we really need are you. It doesn't matter if you're here on Sundays only or if you're here all three days of the week. It doesn't matter if you are here seven days a week or if you show up once a month it doesn't matter if you are old or if you are young male or female what we need is your brains do you see we want to go in the next year and we want to do in the next year 2019 looks bright but we want to know where you want to go or what you want to do or we want to know what hasn't worked in the past the places we don't want to go again or the places we don't want to do again. So next week, for all five of our ministries, we're offering a rotating brainstorming session. And if you can come for part of it, come for part. If you can come for all of it, come for all of it. But tell us, what can our church do better next year? Or what can our church stay away from better? This is not a time period of complaint. It's just us as a family working to get better. So if you can come next Saturday at all between that 8 and 12 slot, I encourage you to be here. Speaking of being here, think about all the places that you've been in life. When Facebook first came out, and it got one of its first apps that you could add on to Facebook. You know, back when Facebook still required a college student email address to log in? Yeah, that's when I got on Facebook. It wasn't for you average users out there. They had an app called the Places I've Been app. And on Facebook you could tell all your friends the different places you had gone. And so my map looks like this is my map. This is the places that I've visited within the United States. I've been north, south, east, west. As you can tell, I've still got some corners to go, though. I haven't been everywhere. And when I start reviewing, though, the places I've been, oh, I'm filled with such nostalgia. Like when Ashley and I drove up north to our honeymoon at Niagara Falls. Oh, that was great when I was checking off some of these states, or when we drove out west all the way to California last year, oh, those were good memories. Or, or how about when we stopped in Texas, or, or those moments we have been over toward the beach in North Carolina to visit family, or that time we went all the way up after 9-11 and went to pray on the Pentagon lawn You know, as I look at these states on this map, and I think about everywhere I've been, I think about life-changing or monumental moments. We want to take a trip with you over the next few weeks. A trip we're going to call Jesus Went. Let's walk where he walked. Let's try to see what he saw. Let's try to experience the monumental moments in Jesus' life by looking at where he went. And he went lots of places. He went to feasts. He went to parties. He went to banquets. He went to weddings. He went to places of solitude, isolation, loneliness. He went to gardens. He went to mountains. He went to deserts. He went to lakes. He went to people. He went to the outsiders. He went to the insiders. He went to the kings. Jesus even went to the poor. Jesus went so many wonderful places. And if we take just a while and walk where Jesus walked, through the Scripture, we too are going to remember some of the monumental moments that will change our lives. Last year, we went into a wild place. We went into the great Salt Lake Desert. I don't know if you've ever been there traveling from Salt Lake City on over into California in Utah. We went to the Salt Lake Desert. And when you go into that desert, it's just as white as you can see, as far as you can see, until you see the mountain peaks up in the distance. And so we pulled our RV over on the side of the interstate. There was nothing around except some really odd sculpture sculpture and a toilet really far out in the desert. It's the wild, of course. And we decided we'd run to that toilet. It's just a piece of porcelain way out in the desert. And everything out in the desert is farther than it looks. And so we take off running across there, and pretty soon we're exhausted, we're out of breath, and we're a family that runs. And we realized this desert is big. And when we got to that toilet out in the desert and we turned around and looked, the RV was so small. And I had this moment where I thought, you know, anything could happen to us out here. We were warned to make sure we were packing heat in the desert because in that desert there are bandits There are still bandits that will hijack you in that desert. And at that moment, I'm alone out in the desert with the boys, and I'm thinking, I have just made a big mistake. Because if we needed help, there is no help for miles around. Jesus went out into a desert. In case you haven't been to a desert lately, I've got a video of a song that we're going to try to play Right about now. And it's not going to play. And so, it's not going to play. Hey, and we won't worry about it there, Tony. But I appreciate you making an effort there. And so, Chris Rupp is a singer. This is, uh, this is the image I put up just in case it wouldn't play. And so, <laughs> Chris Rupp is a singer, famous for the acapella group, Home Free, And his video is set with this background behind it. A big desert. Yeah, there's water out there. Yeah, there's a couple of sparse trees. That's it. It's a place where there's not a lot of sustenance. It's a place where there's not a lot of nourishment. It's a place where there's not a lot of support, encouragement, aid, help. It's a place where you're vulnerable. You know, we all hit places like that in life. Especially spiritually and emotionally. You may not physically travel to a desert, but you may have traveled in your spiritual life to a place where you didn't have a lot of encouragement. You didn't have a lot of help. You didn't have a lot of aid. You didn't have a lot of nourishment. Jesus goes to one of those places on purpose. Deserts are places where the emotional and spiritual resources are scarce. Deserts are places where the devil runs wild and temptations are fierce. Deserts are places where barrenness thrives. But I think God sometimes leads us and meets us in the desert on purpose. Because a desert can become a place where you see so clearly and so far like you've never seen before. You know, God did some of his greatest work in deserts. they are also translated wildernesses in your Bible, the wild places. Some of his greatest work was there. When you think about his leaders, think about Abraham and Sarah. They were in the wild. They were in the desert when they were called to form a new nation. It was there that Moses, after spending 40 years tending sheep in the wilderness, it was there that Moses met God in a burning bush. Notice it wasn't a burning tree because there's not a lot of trees in the desert wilderness, just shrubs. It was King David who formed his leadership, not, not sitting on his throne in Jerusalem. But what was he doing? He was out in the desert. He was running from Saul when most of his leadership and captains joined him. It was John the Baptist who was a voice crying out, where? In the wilderness or in the desert. It was Paul. Paul who after meeting Jesus... Oftentimes we miss this because it's not in the book of Acts. It shows up in the book of Galatians, chapter 1, verses 17 and 18. It was Paul who, after meeting Jesus and being baptized, spent three years in the desert before he would ever go back to Jerusalem. And then Jesus, after he was baptized, before he did his intense time in ministry, where did he go? To the desert. You know, if God leads and meets with so many Bible leaders in the desert, in the wilderness, in the place where there's not a lot of nourishment, not a lot of encouragement, not a lot of support, so that they can see clearly and see Him, do you think that maybe He can do that for you too in your spiritual life? If you're feeling like you're in a desert right the minute spiritually, I'd say you're probably not too far from God. Let's take a look at Jesus in the desert. We're going to take a look at Luke's account through this one. If you would, make sure you're opened up to Luke chapter 4. And if you follow through Matthew's account, well, Jesus has just been baptized. He's just met with John the Baptist. And Jesus experiences this. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led around by the Spirit in the wilderness or in the desert. And for 40 days, 40 days, he was tempted by the devil. And he ate nothing during those days. And when they had ended, he became hungry. Here we look at the first temptation of Jesus and what happened in the desert. He became hungry. I don't know about you, but those three little words really catch my attention right about now because I'm hungry. I haven't eaten since 5 a.m. And if you're like me, you're sitting here right now and you're already thinking about lunch and where you're going to go. Well, some of you are thinking about where you're not going to go. Some of you are thinking about where you're going to go. Two personalities. But we focus on hunger in our culture and alleviating it very, very quickly. What Jesus was, was beyond hungry. I've experienced hunger before. I've experienced no food for five days before. That's the longest I've ever gone without food. And at the end of day three, there was no more hunger. My stomach stopped growling. My body had already changed. I just wasn't hungry. It was almost like it was no big deal at that point. And then, I've read the diaries of others who have fasted for much longer times, and they say the same thing. You're just not hungry. Jesus was beyond hungry. And at the end of 40 days, a feat which very few people Have ever done. The devil comes up to him and he says these words. He said, If, if you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Let's talk about the things you like and enjoy for just a second. In fact, let's talk about the things you just can't do without. You ever see people post about things they can't do without on social media or tell you that whenever you talk to them? One of the things that I hear a lot from some of you is that you just can't do without your morning cup of coffee. It's the first thing you need. Or or you can do without it, but you're going to be grumpy for the rest of the day. If you don't get your cup of joe, it's going to be a hard day. I see a a frequent one coming across social media now. More and more women saying, I just can't get through the day without my glass of wine. What can't you do without it? If if you're saying those phrases, folks, these are are moments you may want to pay attention to and be cautious one of the things you hear our younger generation saying right now they can't do without their cell phone I mean they're struggling at this very moment not to pick up their cell phone and use it for checking messages use it for talking to people use it for checking the news I just can't do without my cell phone what can't you do without There's a lot of things we think we can't do without. And Jesus tells us what the one is. You know, Satan says right here, if you are the son of God, and since you're hungry, Jesus, tell this stone to become bread. And Jesus, he tells the devil the one thing he can't do without. He's already been without bread for 40 days. Jesus has proven He can do without all that stuff. All the things we think we can't do without. He's proven we can. And he says, but here's the one thing. And he starts to quote from Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3. Well-known passages, passages of triumph that come after Israel wandered for 40 years in the wilderness. Think about that for just a minute. They had wandered for 40 years in the wilderness and Moses gives them the book of Deuteronomy. Jesus, three times after wandering 40 days in his wilderness, quotes from Deuteronomy. And he quotes from chapter 8, verse 3, in which Moses writes, And he humbled you, and God let you hunger, and he fed you with manna which you did not know, nor did your fathers know that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Man lives by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. What can't you do without in life? What is it that you and I feel like we need every single day? Is it our technology? Is it our food or our beverage? Is it a person? Have you ever said, if you weren't in my life, I don't know what I'd do to another person? Jesus lets us know that with the Word of God, we can walk through any time That we don't have those things any wilderness that we're in any desert that we're walking through spiritually or emotionally in any of them we can be sustained by the Word of God and while Jesus is in that wilderness Satan he comes to him again after Jesus has just quoted scripture and Satan looks at him and he showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment in time. And he says, I will give you all this authority and all its glory. He said, for it's been handed over to me and I give it to whoever I wish. In the second temptation, authority and glory Is offered to Jesus. And Jesus, looking at all that, looking at authority and glory, says, You know what? I don't need all that. I don't need all the stuff you can offer me, Satan. I don't need the things that bring me prestige, that bring me glory. I don't need any of that. Think about what you need for just a minute. We went down to Florida and we were in a pretty well-off neighborhood, a neighborhood that was on the beach, in the bay, A neighborhood that had the nice white picket fences. A neighborhood that had the pools out back that had the docks. That had those beautiful old trees in the front yard. A neighborhood that had one type of grass sown throughout the yard. Yeah, those neighborhoods. And it was those neighborhoods that were struck down just the same as anybody else. It was those neighborhoods where people were left homeless. It was those people who figured out that maybe they didn't need all that stuff that the world has said you need. What do you need? I was told two times this week of the same man. I don't know his name. Somebody, I can't remember it, somebody years ago who used to be part of the church, somebody who was very well off, who was millionaire in times... Past And two different people in two completely separate situations were telling me of this person. They were talking about everything that he had. And in fact, they said this phrase, they said, both of them, this is why it caught my attention, said, he probably still has the first dime he ever made. And I came to find out that that's a common common euphemism. For they were tight, they were frugal, they were penny pinchers. They wouldn't spend a dime. And then people started telling me about this person and and how they had a wife. A wife who lived so meagerly that they wouldn't throw out any old coffee. They would reuse it the day after the day after. Nothing could ever be thrown out. And they never spent money on anything nice. They died never having enjoyed any of that money that brought them so much security. And I thought, how sad that God can give a person great gifts and they can have so much and never enjoy it or never use it to bless other people. It just sits in a big storehouse or a bank somewhere. I thought, how sad that we hold on to so much for our own glory. The devil showed up and offered something like that to Jesus and said, I'll give you everything you can see. You'll have it all. I feel like that's much like what Happened in the movie 300. If you have seen that movie about Spartans, about Sparta. And it was King Leonidas. And it was that biblical character in the book of Daniel, King Xerxes. And Xerxes tells King Leonidas, he says, If you'll just bow down to me, I'll give you all of Sparta. And I'll give you all of Athens. And I'll give you all of Europe. And Leonidas He said, well, you know, after all this fighting of these men of yours, I've got a little cramp in my leg. So bowing down is going to be a little bit tough. Well, I think Jesus does the same kind of thing when he looks straight at Satan. And he says, I will not bow down to you. In fact, what he says is a direct quote from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 13. And he says, It is the Lord your God that you should fear. Him you shall serve, and by his name you shall swear. In other words, I don't need your stuff, and I don't need to bow down to you, Satan. I still only need God. What is it that you hold on to, that I hold on to, that makes us feel good about ourselves? Is it that house and that lawn that brings you such prestige? Is it a position at work that you know you just have to have to get everybody's praise and acclaim? Is it a youthful look that you are just dying to maintain? What is it that you feel like you've got to have to have glory? Jesus, in the middle of that, Tough time," said. "I don't need any of that stuff. I just need God." And then Satan comes to them, to him a third time, and he says again, "If you are the son of God." And he led him to Jerusalem and had him stand at the pinnacle of the temple and said, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here. And Jesus said something that flies in the face of every insurance agent that ever lived. You know what a lot of insurance agents are known for, not all of them. But many of them, there's been a lot of studies, especially in the last few years as the Affordable Care Act was passed and and then things were altered and changed and insurance companies were in flux. A lot of insurance was sold. A lot of plans were sold based on fear. Some insurance agents would tell you all the worst that's going to happen in your life. And if you don't buy into this insurance policy, You're doomed. I had an insurance agent do it with me once. Here, I was a youth minister. I was was making $22,000 a year. That was my full-time income. And he said to me, you need insurance for your family in case you die. You need insurance. You need at least a a $50,000 policy. Okay, okay, that sounds good. And he said, but what happens if you... If you die, and then your wife can't work because she's got to take care of kids. He said, you probably want more. You need a $100,000 policy because you're going to help her with child care. Okay, that makes sense. I need that that safety net right there for my family. And then he upped the ante. He said, but we have a $300,000 policy. Oh, yes. We have a $300,000 policy. And Christopher, if the worst happens, what if you have extensive medical bills that go along with your death? That can easily run to $300,000. You need a bigger policy. And then he said, what about the $500,000 policy? Folks, guess what policy I have? I have a $500,000 policy. (laughs) Ashley hasn't killed me for that yet. I'm worth a lot of money to that woman. And he instilled fear in me. And so what do I have? I have a bigger safety net than probably any minister has had in a long time. He looks at Jesus. And he said, If you're really the son of God, then you've got a safety net. You've got insurance. For it is written... Satan gets really crafty in quoting scripture here. He will command his angels concerning you to guard you. And on their hands they will bear you up so that you will not strike your foot against stone. Satan quotes from the book of Psalms, trying to put fear in Jesus and also really playing on Jesus' status. He says again, If you are the Son of God, of God. Challenging Jesus' identity, Jesus's pride. What's your safety net in life? What is it you feel like you have to have just in case life goes wrong? What safety net is the world or even is Satan pushing at you Jesus says, I don't need the safety nets. I simply and solely need God. And he quotes from Deuteronomy chapter 6 again. He says, Satan, it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to test. Some translations say, you shall worship the Lord your God and serve Him only. What is it that you feel like you need in life? It's at our times when we are in our spiritual depths, our emotional wildernesses, our deserts, that we tend to find out what we rely on most. For some people, when all the world comes crashing down and they find themselves in the wild, they start hitting alcohol or drugs to help them cope with addictions. For some people, they start spending money on everything they can to make them feel good, to make them feel like they have control or power or prestige. There are many articles Psychological articles about people who lose their jobs and then go spend money on absurd things just to feel like they are in control, like they have something, some value, some worth. When you've hit the low points in life, what is it you've turned to? You know, I don't think this was Jesus' lowest point in life. Satan here, as Jesus has hit a low point, 40 days in the wilderness, and he's hungry. Satan says to him, if you are the Son of God, don't you know we see that one other time in Scripture? Over in Matthew chapter 27, we see another place Jesus went. Jesus didn't just go to the wild, to the desert, to the wilderness for our sakes. He went to the cross. And there two rebels were crucified with him. One on his right and one on his left. Those who passed him hurled insults at him. Shaking their heads and saying, You who are going to destroy the temple and build it again in three days, save yourself. Come down from the cross. And I'm sitting here thinking back about Satan saying these exact same words, if you are the Son of God. It didn't matter from start to finish of His life. It didn't matter what wilderness or what low point Jesus found Himself in. Our Savior never succumbed to temptation. But in each and every instance, He fully relied on God. When we walk where Jesus walks and when we do what Jesus did when we rely on God the way Jesus did we find out that God can bring us through any desert. Brothers and sisters whatever desert you find yourself in today whatever low point, whatever tough point, I want to tell you that there is hope. There is hope because Jesus walked through the lowest. Jesus walked through the toughest. And when Jesus walked through him, He did it thinking of you. He did it for you. All for you. What happens when you walk through the low points in life, when you walk through the deserts, you know, those moments that tend to orient us and and help us see so far and so clearly. What happens when you walk through those moments and you deny the temptation to rely on every safety net, on every coping mechanism, on every power, prestige, and authority, and control measure that you can get your hands on? What happens when you deny all of that and say, I only need God. I only need His Word. I only need Him. Well, Luke 4, 14 happens. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit. Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and a report about Him went out through all the surrounding country. Folks, whatever desert you're walking through, God is calling you to rely fully on Him, to declare that you too will only bow down to Him, to declare that you only will worship Him. To declare that you can feast on His Word and nothing else. And if we do that, if we follow in Jesus' footsteps, we too will have the blessed power of the Spirit in Christ. We have a song that we're about to sing. And that song has these lyrics sweetly Lord we have heard thee calling come follow me and we see where thy footprints falling lead us to thee the chorus says footprints of Jesus that make the pathway glow we will follow the footsteps of Jesus Wherever they go. So I ask you, family, where are you willing to go? Jesus is calling us. This church has been through its own time of wilderness. This church has been through its own time of isolation. This church has been through its own lonely and low moments. And I'm here to tell you that Jesus went there too. And He gave us an example, church, that if we just follow Him, our church will rise up out of those low moments with the power of the Holy Spirit guiding us. And so as our church really begins to look forward now into 2019, And I know some of you are even making plans five years beyond that for this church and seven years beyond that. And some are working on 10-year plans for where you want to see this church go, where the Spirit can lead this church. I want to tell you, keep dreaming. Keep being visionaries. Keep relying on God. Because I think our 40 days in the wilderness is up and something better is coming. You only need to follow the footsteps of Jesus. Friends, are you in Jesus' footsteps now? Have you believed in Him and followed Him in faith? Have you obeyed His commandments by confessing His name, by putting Him on in baptism, by clothing yourself with Him, by repenting of those other things we tend to do when we are tempted are you living faithfully for Him? If we can help you do any of those, we want to do it and help you look toward a brighter future too. If we can help you in any way, let us know as we stand and as we sing.
1: Sweet me, Lord, be ever calling. Come, on, follow me we see where thy footprints falling lead us to thee. Footprints of Jesus that make the pathway glow. We will follow the steps of Jesus wherever they go. Though they cold dark mountains seeking his sheen. Or along by Siloam's fountains helping of Jesus, where they go, by and by through the shining portals turning our feet, we shall walk with the glad immortals, have golden stream. Footprints of Jesus that make the pathway glow. We will follow the steps of Jesus where they go. Just want to emphasize one more time the importance of the meeting next Saturday. Um, I have uh, talked with a number of people uh, over the last year, um, and I can tell you that um, the comments are uh, much more positive over the last year than they were over the years prior to that, and I feel like there is some momentum building in the congregation. Uh, If you've ever wanted to give uh, the leaders of the, the congregation a piece of your mind, Next Saturday is the time to do that because we're going to do some brainstorming and we need a piece of your mind. Uh, We need your ideas uh, for moving forward and maintaining our momentum. So let's pray for that. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven,
0: we are so thankful for this beautiful day and this opportunity to uh, be in your presence with.